0: Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be uh, in Luke. Um, we're going to primarily be uh, focusing around Luke eight, and uh, if we get some time, we'll we'll dive back and look at Luke five as well. And uh, <clears throat> I've been loving um, this series uh, as we've dived into looking at some very specific uh, questions that Jesus asked and. What's been really fun is, is that I guess we're discovering as we as we step in, in this discipleship journey with Jesus, that when he asks questions, it, it really forms the, the backdrop to a, a journey of kind of greater exposition and journey and... Um, an intimacy with Jesus because he doesn't ask questions that leave us feeling uh, worried or concerned that there's this kind of dualistic black or white right or wrong answer but he invites us into these questions that that take us on this journey of discovery of of ourselves you know to to ask the question okay what do i think about the question that Jesus has asked what's the the context of that question that's maybe similar to the context where i find myself in life it, it these are the questions that draw us closer to him because they, they help us understand that, that it's not a question that is there to trip us up, but it's to, to draw us closer to him to discover what is he saying? What, how does he see the world? What is his kingdom like? This King Jesus that we're following, you know, he invites us through these questions into a place of intimacy with him. That's why I'm loving the fact that these questions get to be, they almost get to be like mirrors. That wherever we find ourselves in the circumstances of life, the places and spaces is where we show up these questions pose the invitation for us to go deeper on a journey with Jesus to understand him to understand ourselves to understand his word his kingdom his life and it's beautiful because I, I don't feel tricked you know, often we feel like, you know, when there are questions, we get sweaty hands. We start to feel like, oh my goodness, there's a right answer. How many of you have been in a conversation with someone where someone asks a question and you know they're not really looking for exploration. They've, they know the answer and they want to know if you know the answer. That's not what we find in Jesus. And so it's beautiful to, to go on this journey with him. And that's why... As we've dived into each one of these questions already, I feel like I'm, I'm just enriched in this intimate journey with Jesus to say, Jesus, ask me more questions. Let the, the beauty of your questions, the way you see the world, let it reflect into my life and let my life begin to be orientated towards you and the way you think and the way you see the world and your kingdom. And So I am loving them. And this uh, question that we're going to look at um, today is no different. And um, The question we want to gather around, um, the way we want to uh, spend some time just hovering around today is the question where is your faith and Jesus I asked this question like numerous times through scripture and primarily this question comes up in his interaction with, with his followers, with di- his disciples. It's quite often in, in moments and we'll look at one specific one today where, where uh, the disciples are going about um, their discipleship journey, they're following Jesus and, and there are times when the disciples would ask Jesus questions and they'd inquire and they'd find themselves in a situation and they weren't sure of and they'd they'd inquire of something of Jesus and that was a kind of for. Learning and a moment, you know, as as disciples, you remember we talk a lot here about the reality of being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus. It's like it's being an apprentice to Jesus. And the goal of an apprentice is twofold. It's one, let me be, be with my master. And, and then as an apprentice, you want to be like your master. And so the disciples often, you find throughout Scripture, would post questions. They'd dig into things. They'd make statements. And Jesus, There was just dialogue and intimacy with the disciples. It's the same for us today. But then there were these moments when Jesus would, would, in a situation where something would happen, he would pose a question. Again, not for the disciples to be sort of like, oh my goodness, he's asked a question. We're in trouble. What's the right answer? No, 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 it was again this, this learning, intimate journey with Jesus and it's the same thing as we look at this question, where is your faith? And um, I want this question to be a provocation, to, to provoke us this morning. I want it to be A question that we allow, again, to be a a mirror into the circumstances of our lives. Maybe some circumstances that we'll discover this morning are are circumstances where you you didn't even realize that Jesus was requiring you to have confidence or faith in him and, and you'd let that question and be held in front of you in your workplace tomorrow morning when you get up and you're thinking about what your day looks like, who you're interacting with, with the relationships you have, with your with your perspective on your future. Let this question, where is your faith, frame something of, of this journey that lies ahead. Can we pray? Father, I thank you that you invite us into a consistent journey of relationship with you, and And Jesus, I ask that this morning that by your spirit you'd come and you'd illuminate these words in your word. And they would become like a mirror to our lives. The circumstances, the relationships, all of the fabric of our lives where you'd let this question sit in front of us. And and Jesus, give us grace to hold that question, to let it provoke us, let it reflect back into our story and our journey. And then ultimately, Jesus, this morning, would you orientate us around you? the way you see our lives, the way you see our future, such that, Jesus, we would be followers of you that are connected to you in full of faith, full of confidence in who you are and ultimately who you've called us to be. And we pray that in your precious name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be diving into this question. Luke 8 is where we're going to be. It's probably a familiar story to a number of you, but uh, we're going to read it nonetheless and, and pull out what we can find inside it. So Luke 8, 22 to 25 says this. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and they set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped. And they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. So he got up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waters, the storm subsided, and all was calm. And this is where we find the question pops up, verse 25. Where is your faith? He asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. So here's this uh, very specific question that Jesus pops up in the midst of this quite dramatic uh, event that's going on and around the the disciples' lives. And um, it's a very specific question, and it is, where is your faith? And if you dive into uh, the original language there, the, the better way of framing that question is actually, where is your confidence in me? That's what that that concept of faith, when Jesus says, Where's your faith? It's it's where is your confidence in me? He's not actually getting up in this, in this scenario and challenging their behavior. He's not saying to them, All right, why didn't you command the waves to calm down? Why didn't you speak to the wind? Why didn't you do what I did? Why are you waking me up? These aren't the questions are, are not questions of behaviour. They are questions of something that is much deeper inside the disciples, which is ultimately the way their life is orientated according to the presence of Jesus in their life. And ultimately, he's he's challenging them around where where is your faith? Where is your confidence in me? So as we unpack that, I want to uh, I want I want us to to help speak to our journey kind of like the, the journey of our life and the, the boat of our lives and where is Jesus and where is our faith and, and, and where is our confidence set? I feel like often the disciples get a bit of a raw deal because we, we can sit from this vantage point of saying, oh. Silly disciples, don't you know who Jesus is? And we have this kind of retrospective look at this story and and we sit back sort of arm's length and go, oh, silly disciples again, did the wrong thing, said the wrong thing, acted in the wrong way. But actually, uh, the disciples get a bit of a rough deal. And I think about it like this. The bottom line is, uh, Jesus was a carpenter and he had rocked up in this boat. Yes, he told them they were going to the other side, but ultimately, these are career fishermen. These are the disciples like Jesus is a carpenter he doesn't know boats other than maybe the one that he fashioned he's not he's not somebody who is regularly on the sea he certainly doesn't necessarily hasn't spent his life his whole career uh, understanding the nature of the sea and understanding the nature of storms um these Disciples, the majority of them that were in the boat were were career fishermen. They knew exactly what was going on. So at one level, for us to sort of sit here and critique them, what they presented was not irrational. Their response to that storm, it's really interesting if you if you look at the synoptic gospels, which is Matthew, Luke, and Mark, and and these gospels that, that tell the story in the same way, they actually use different language. In Matthew, it says, Lord save us, we're gonna drown. So it's this statement of doom. We're gonna drown. Luke, we've just read it. Master, Master, we're going to drown. Okay? Oh, so Matthew Matthew was like, save us. It was this sense of like, what are you going to do, Jesus? And then Mark says, teacher, don't you care if we drown? So there's this sort of response from the disciples in this moment about just questioning the integrity of Jesus in this moment. Don't you really care about us? We're going to drown. But nonetheless, I, I imagine all of those things were shouted at some level because these were career fishermen who knew exactly what was going on and what was going on was they were drowning. It was not an irrational response. It was not an unreasonable response. Their reason reason and their rationale knew exactly what was going on because they knew boats they knew the sea they knew what was going on listen if they perhaps they had been in a storm before maybe they had almost lost their life in a similar storm before maybe they just heard stories about other fishermen who had been in similar looking storms and who had lost their life nonetheless they were qualified as dis- as those disciples career fishermen they were qualified to make a uh, an assessment of what was going on right This is yes, this is no, you can work with me, it's all right. They were absolutely, it was not an irrational response. Their rational mind was entirely correct. We're in a storm and cognitively, I can bring my history, my experience, what I know about this situation and I can tell you we're going to drown. That's what they were saying. It was not an unreasonable response. Their reason, cognitively, they grappled with what was going on. They added the history of their lives, what they'd experienced, what they'd heard and they said we're going to drown. Right? Because they were speaking to a very familiar situation. They knew exactly what was going on. So their response, and that's why I feel a little sorry for them, because in some way we can often hear the sort of, the, what we probably interpret as the harshness in Jesus' tone, because it's only a few words. Where is your faith? And listen, I also, I feel sorry for the disciples, because it wasn't like Jesus got on the boat and said, Listen, disciples, we're going to get on the boat, we're going to the other side. He did say that. So he did frame the fact that they were going to the other side, which might have given, should have given the disciples some insight into the longevity of their journey. But nonetheless, Jesus didn't get up and say, Hey, guess what? I'm going to go park it in the front, and fall asleep. There's going to be a storm. Listen, don't worry about it. The storm's not going to affect you. You're going to be okay. Okay. It's all going to be okay. I'm going to go to sleep now. See you on the other side. Jesus didn't do that. And so, you know, the disciples weren't necessarily left with a, uh, the ability to pull all of their reason, all of their familiarity to the storm and the reality of being in a boat that looked like it was drowning and then superimpose the word of the Lord, right? Jesus has said, we're going to be okay. He warned us there was going to be a storm. We're going to be all right. Let's be kind to the disciples. They didn't have, that's not the narrative. That's not what happened. And so they are faced with a reality. They're faced with their norm and something that's highly familiar to them. And in many ways, what they did with that familiarity is they let it be a breeding ground for a, for a cognitive decision. A, 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 they, they stood in that reality and that reality painted the picture of their future and a very short future because they assumed that they were going to die. They assumed they were going to drown. And so that's what I want to really sharpen our focus around in this story, in this question of where is our faith, where is our confidence? I want it to be sharply focused around the difference between faith and familiarity. Faith and the familiar. So I think that actually we find ourselves in probably many areas of our life with a a level of history, familiarity, expectation that's set by our previous experiences that far more dictates what we think about our future than necessarily the reality of Jesus being in the boat of our lives. I think for many of us, there's maybe even areas where, we've, where we've, we've experienced a consistency of results or the same thing happening over and over again, where we've almost like we've carved it out as something in my life or an area in my life or a relationship in my life or a health thing in my life, where it's almost like I've just, I know what the outcome is going to be. I can rationally, I can cognitively, I can with reason approach that situation and ultimately we carve it out and say, yeah, I'm not sure really Jesus has a lot to say about that thing because we know what goes on. We've got experience, we've got wisdom, we've got our own, our own, exp- our own history with that thing. I feel like with those things as well, it's, it's almost, I, I, as I've been processing this with myself over the last few weeks, I've been like, do you know what? I actually think that I have a greater faith and confidence in Jesus for other people's situations than I necessarily do for my own, right? Because I carry with me into the reality of my situation, my history. What's happened before, it'll happen again. The reality that I've become comfortable with things. I've become accepting of things. The way that it was, it's probably the way it's going to be, right? And we breed into that space of familiarity a sense of being resigned to seeing the same thing happen again. We become resigned to getting the same output based on what we put into that situation. And quite honestly, it can be, it can be things like, you know, maybe you're looking at your workplace and maybe you're thinking, Do you know... Ten years ago, you know, I was full of zeal that that God would use me in this workplace that I'd be able to share my faith. And, you know, maybe even I tried that for a couple of months and didn't really land anywhere. And do you know what? That's just I've carved that space out as a space where I'm like, you know, I'm used to the outcome of that. Like people are used to me. It is what it is. It's going to be the same. And we kind of get into that space where we're not even acknowledging the fact that Jesus wants to be in that space. Because I'm in that space. And we carve out sections of life. Maybe it's a health thing for you. Maybe there's been a a health situation you've just been walking with and it's almost like, you know what? I had faith 20 years ago for that thing. And I thought, God, you know that I would see a breakthrough. I would see healing. But it didn't happen how I wanted it to. And so to sort of limit the pain, to limit the disappointment, I've kind of circled that thing off. That's the area I'm familiar with. And I know I've managed with it. I've come to cope with it. I've come to sort of accept it. And yet I think that Jesus in this story, speaking to the disciples and their familiarity, their very clear and cognitive reasoning that applied them to think, you know, we're going to drown and it removed even the reality of Jesus being in that boat with them, I I think so often we do the same with our circumstances or areas of our life where we're just like, you know, I'm content with how that thing is. I've come to sort of be happy or I've come to just manage my way through it. And ultimately, we we look towards our future with a sense of perhaps disappointment. We look towards our future with perhaps a sense of, of uh, low expectation, because ultimately we've, we've carved out the reality of Jesus being in the boat of that situation with us. And listen, I, I, I know what it's like. I, I, I've wrestled with these things over the last couple of weeks because I'm like, you know what? And the irony is I, I probably have more faith. I have more confidence in Jesus for, for your thing than I do for mine. Why is that? Well, it's because I bring all of my history. I bring all of my pain. I bring all of my disappointment to me and that situation right now. And so it's easier for me to carve out a future reality where there's no risk and there's no heart on the line. There's no sense of Jesus, where are you? What are you doing? Where is my faith journey with that job or that relationship or that health thing? Like, It's almost safer to keep him out of the boat. And yet, for the disciples and for us, we sit here and we're, we're challenged, we're invited into a conversation with Jesus where he says, you know, in that health thing, where, where is your faith? Where, And again, not where is your faith, like, could you imagine just a little bit harder that you'd be healed? That's not what we're talking about. Faith is, where are you, Jesus? Where is the confidence in you, your person, your presence, who you are, your history, and and so there's a there's a need for us to wrestle with that question of where is your faith, maybe in multiple areas of our life. And it gives us the opportunity really to to make a make a cognitive choice. Am I gonna pull into my here and now? Am I gonna pull in my history, my experience, what I think about this thing, my good intentions and my good thoughts? Am I gonna bring that into the equation of what I'm looking at and therefore settle on it being the same? as I move forward? Or am I going to pull on the life? Am I going to pull on the history? Am I going to pull on the truth, the testimony of who Jesus is? Am I going to pull him into my presence and allow him, even in a posture of sleeping in my boat, am I going to draw confidence from who he is, his history, his truth? Am I prepared to take the reality of his word, this beautiful narrative of a transformational God in flesh who changes situations, who heals the sick, opens blind eyes, deaf ears, hearing, the the dead are raised. Am I going to apply his life, his truth, his history, his testimony, and am I going to pull it into my here and now? And that becomes the question. As we, as we ponder, as we wrestle with this idea of where is my faith, where is my confidence, it is, we're left on that pivot point moment of, of, of where is my faith based on what am I pulling into my story right now? What am I pulling through? Am I going to pull through the life, the truth, the testimony, and the history of Jesus into my present so he would be the one that would define my future? Or am I going to get stuck in the cycle of familiarity where I know best, where how it is is going to be how it is, where my disappointment of that thing not quite changing is going to disconnect me from my appointment of the future. And I think for so many of us, we, we, in multiple areas in our life, we can let these uh, let the, the beauty of this question and this invitation of, "Where is your faith, where is your confidence be something that illuminates, maybe areas where we've just settled. Are we going to pull on the history the reality the person of Jesus and let him sit with us in the in our present so that he can he can define our future we've got a few minutes so I want to, I want to dive back a few chapters because um, Simon I think shows us this beautifully another fisherman so Luke 5 if you've got your Bibles you can turn there there's uh, I'll read you the the end of the encounter and then it will help kind of set up where I think Simon was able to make a decision of of confidence and faith in what Jesus was saying based on being able to pull through the reality of who Jesus was. In in Luke 5, um, verse 10 to 11, it says this, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats onto the shore, left everything, and followed him. Right. So you've got this scenario of, of seemingly reckless faith on behalf of Simon. Simon, again, career fisherman. It's what he did. It's what he knew. His job. And he's had this encounter with Jesus, which we'll dive into in a few minutes. But, but we find him uh, in this conversation where Jesus starts to, starts to talk about his future, starts to define what the rest of his life would look like. And he says this rather bizarre thing, this odd thing. He says, I'm going to make you a fisherman of men. I'm going to make you a fisherman of people. And then seemingly, Simon's not like, uh could you just? What do you mean? <laughs> Let's just unpack that for me. Like uh, people, is that like, a, is that like a type of fish I'm not really aware of? It's like uh, when you say men, do you literally mean men or do you just mean male fish? Like it's not like this journey of, of inquiring that led Simon to a confidence where it's like, oh, Jesus and I have talked. He said this bizarre thing about being a fisher of men. And then we unpacked it for a couple of days. And what I now realize is he's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about extending the kingdom, reaching people, people coming to know Jesus. Like it, it, it wasn't that. Somehow Simon had got to a point where Jesus could throw out this bizarre concept about what his future would look like. And and Simon, in a moment, could have such confidence in the one that delivered that word that he he would pull up his boat, leave everything that he knew and follow Jesus. So what happened? How did he get there? Well, I think he got there because of what happened just a few moments before let me read this from verse five. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gethsemane, the, um, sorry, against, oh, I rubbish just saying these words, that lake, the people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deeper water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled for their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled um, both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Here's the thing. We've got this moment. Again, it's very, very similar. You've got a career fisherman in Simon. He knows exactly what he's doing. He finds himself at the edge of the... uh, Of the lake, he is he's washing his white linen nets. Fishermen of the day, they would have career fishermen. They would have they would fish by night. You can't you know single occupancy fishers could fish during the day, but the heat was too much and you wouldn't catch very very many fish. But if you were a career fisherman, you fished at night, and the the mechanism for fishing at night was with with white linen nets. And and the white linen nets where they were strong, but they were white, and so it worked to work to fish with them at night because there was no glare from the sun. If you tried to use a white linen net in the middle of the day, which is where we find ourselves in this story, the sun would have flashed against the white, it wouldn't not it would scare away the fish. So you've got this situation where where Jesus is, is saying to Simon, the career fisherman, this carpenter guy from Nazareth is suddenly now an expert in fishing and and he's he's saying go out to deeper water and you've got Simon's history his like familiar space it's his boat it's his nets that are nighttime fishing nets he's in the middle of the day he's got the very real reality of his history we've not caught anything and then Jesus is is interrupting arresting this moment and he's saying oh yeah take these white linen night fishing nets and in the middle of the day Having fished all night and you've not caught a thing, I'll just chuck them over the other side. You'll be fine. And you see this sort of half-hearted response from Simon. It's kind of like you know, because you say so. And it's kind of like this, like lack of faith, lack of expectation, just this kind of resigned, pandering to Jesus and his interesting fishing techniques. But what you've got then is this catalyst for a miracle. You've got this moment where because Jesus is in the boat and there's a response in faith, even a tiny bit of faith, a tiny bit of confidence to be obedient to what Jesus said, you see this amazing, miraculous thing happen. And this wasn't just like, Jesus didn't just get lucky. Like, you've got to understand, white linen nets, they're not just not not catching a few fish. Like, it's almost physically impossible To catch fish with a white linen net in the middle of the day. So what transpired in this thing was absolutely miraculous. And it demonstrated the transformational nature of Jesus. And so Simon in this moment then where Jesus is, they're heading back to the shore. And and Jesus, after all this has gone on and Jesus is saying to Simon, Listen, let me tell you about your future. You're going to be a fisherman of men. Simon is so fueled by the reality of who Jesus is, what he's done. The reality and, the, uh, and the, the miraculous and the transformational nature of who this person in his boat is. He gets to the other side. Jesus gives him this bizarre comment. And without a question, he, he pulls up his boat on the shore, leaves everything and follows Jesus. He breaks out of like the familiar The familiar should have said to Simon, no, this is what I know. This is what I'm good at. This is my comfortable space and how it was pretty much is how it's going to be. Except for the fact that Jesus was in his boat. And it changed everything. And listen, I use that story again to to take us back to this question. Where is your faith? You know, Simon was able to pull on that very recent history of this person of Jesus bringing about the miraculous, bringing about transformation, bringing out something that absolutely broke the norm, broke the familiar territory that, that Simon knew. And it caused him to stir faith within him such that even when the most bizarre thing happened, he could say, Yes, you're the one. I'll leave it all behind and I'll follow you. And so I want to encourage us as we posture ourselves and hover around this question of where is your faith? Where is our confidence? Maybe to challenge you, and I'm speaking to myself, is where are those areas of normality? Where are those areas of comfort? Where are those areas of familiarity where we just know what that outcome is going to be? And so we don't even give it a second thought. We just know that that is how it's always been. So we've resigned ourselves to that's how it's always going to be. Where are those areas of familiarity that actually squeeze faith out to the edge and even outside of the boat? And maybe it's time for us to start to acknowledge those areas, to start to realize that familiarity can absolutely remove Jesus from the boat of our lives we no longer need him we no longer care what he thinks we no longer care what what's going to happen on the basis that he is here with us and we push him and we push faith and we push confidence to the margins and maybe even not even even outside of our own life and we maybe have an existence where we maybe have more or only faith for others and not really for the familiar space of our own life. And so I want us to hold that question into the relationship or the conversation that you're going to have tomorrow morning at work. I want you to hold it into the the way you even envisage what your week looks like, the interactions, the way that you think about your health, the way you think about your life. I want you to hold that question. Where is my confidence? Where am I anchoring myself to? Because I wonder whether there are, uh, there's, An invitation not only for us to step into faith, but an invitation to acknowledge that there are some spaces and places in our life where we need to say, Jesus, would you come back and even sleep in this part of my life? Because that's all it would take. could Could I want for, could I acknowledge, could I welcome Jesus back into my perspective about my future? Jesus, would you step back into my boat and even sleep? Because I know that even sleeping Jesus, the reality of who you are, your person, your history, who you are in the boat of my life changes everything. Like, could I, could I sit in that space? Could I see my future through that lens? And could I hold that question not as a critique of the way I've done life, where is your faith? But could I let that question begin to define how I see tomorrow? This week, next month, that relationship, that health thing. Could I hold the tension and hold the challenge and maybe even hold the pain and the disappointment? And again, this is not about us denying our humanity. Could I hold that space and say, Jesus, I want to do that future with you right at the very heart of that situation? Because I know that even if that situation doesn't change, I've walked into it with you. And that's the place that you invite me into. Can we hold that in front of us as we pray? Why don't you stand?